This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ahí va, Xavi! Memphis! Llorente remata gol! Gol, 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 de Marcos Llorente. Indecisión de la defensa del Madrid y Marcos Llorente que viene desde el cielo saltando la dos de cabeza. Hola amigos, welcome to La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host Matt Clark, delighted to be joined by Roman Darque and we've just finished watching another Madrid derby, the third one of 2024 already and uh, we've had a Madrid win, we've had an Atleti win, so of course... We should have expected we were going to get a draw, and so we did. Roman, I was expecting to be saying Madrid are four points clear, they're stretching away, it's their title to lose, but Marcos Llorente had other ideas with that bullet header to break Madrileño hearts, and um, Madridista hearts even, and mean that the title race is still on. So what a, what a game we witnessed there, and uh, Girona fans cheering everywhere. Girona fans and uh, even some Barca fans, I'd say now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Pretty much all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, because uh, Madrid lost. But aside from that, eight points is not now not a, such a big gap. You know, hopes may may rise here and there. And if Girona get a good result uh, next weekend, I mean, it opens up things again. So uh, it's definitely a positive result for the competition itself. Because as you said, if Madrid had won this game, it would have been practically game over and uh, very difficult for any other any other team to have a shot at the the league. Mm. Atleti then unbeaten against Real Madrid in the league for the first time since 2015-16 and they scored five headed goals against them this season. Uh, it's a bit of a it was a lot made that Madrid's side was quite short in terms of players unavailable and in height terms because the center backs were Nacho and Carvajal and for 92 minutes they defended pretty well when they had to. But it was that last minute when the loose ball was in the box and and Llorente was the one to take advantage. Do you think that ultimately the defensive absentees cost Madrid that win? Yeah, I was actually going to mention that um, the air balls were something that Madrid were really struggling with this this whole game. And that's where 
most of Atleti's danger came, uh, of course, not just Llorente's goal, but the Savage goal that got ruled out, ruled for offside, was also a header, and I mean, there was really, they were really suffering in that aspect, and definitely not having Rudiger and uh, Militao, for example, is is a big blow in that sense for them, because, you know, those guys are tall, strong, uh, have that those physical conditions that allow them to to jump out up high and at the same time Lunin wasn't really transmitting very too much security either in that aspect so um, in the end it was what allowed them to to drop points I'd say because uh, Madrid offensively did have their shot despite you know not having Benitez there who got injured uh, in the warm-up etc they they were still creating Brahim was fantastic uh, Bellingham is always you know he's such a dangerous player and they were they, they were having their opportunities and they could have scored probably a few more. But at the back, that's where they really suffered. And uh, if they had to concede, it had to be an air ball somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's good for the league in terms of the title race that Madrid have dropped those points because it means Girona are only two points behind. And of course, that crucial clash at the Bernabeu next weekend is going to be absolutely tantalising for everyone to witness. Um, just thinking back about Atleti, um, they're proving quite hard to beat this season, but still a long way off in terms of the title race. Do you think they have an outside shot, or is it is that still too far to say? I mean, it's going to be difficult. Uh, it's ten points. Um, there's Girona still involved. There's Barcelona. Barcelona still involved. Of course, Madrid up there. I always thought they they had a shot, you know, especially when they were um, earlier in the season. They were one game in hand. They were doing really well. They were getting good results, and they weren't that far off. But then they began to drop some important points, and I think that's really complicated things. Definitely, it's not over. I mean, the league is is very long. Anything can still happen. Um, there's also another uh, Clásico coming up at some point where, you know, in the end, I know Madrid are better, but they can always drop points there. Uh, as we said, Girona is another tough game, and Madrid sometimes tend to struggle against weaker sides, especially when they're playing away from home, you know, so I'm sure they'll drop a few more points here or there. just depends on, on the consistency that Leti and these other teams can actually um, develop during the rest of the season. So at this stage, it's very difficult, but, I mean, you can never say impossible in football. Absolutely. Impossible is nothing. And 90 minutes is a long time in the Bernabeu. For balance, though, Madridistas, I will say that uh, to only concede 15 goals in 23 league games is very impressive when you've been without Thibaut Courtois all season, uh, without Militao all season and without Alaba for large chunks. And of course, in this particular game, losing Vinicius in the warm-up and having Rudiger absent too. So overall, uh, a really solid season from Real Madrid. 18 wins in 23 and still in, in well pole position for the league, we'd say. Two points clear from Girona. Let's talk about Girona's game then because that was the glamour game on Saturday night. It was 0-0 with Real Sociedad. Uh, Real Sociedad taking two draws from Girona this season. Um, but it was quite controversial, Roman, wasn't it? Michel ended up being kind of sent away. Uh, he will miss. The, he had a touchline ban for the Bernabeu and they got some, some important suspensions too off the back of this game. So, Describe this game. What what kind of happened? Where where was all the drama? Yeah, there was a bit controversial. I mean, there's always controversy lately in La Liga, <laughs> especially <laughs> when it comes up uh, to the teams at the top. Um, also, Yangel Herrera and, and Daily Blind, you know, getting cards in the 88th and 97th minute, which fortunately for Real Madrid means they won't be able to play the next game because they're uh, got five in total and are suspended for 
for those matches. So, I mean, there was also complaints on that, you know, that it wasn't necessary to you know, give them yellow cards at that stage. But, you know, and especially also in terms of the goal that uh, Girona did score against Real Sociedad, which was a fantastic um, brawl play, I'd say, by Sabino, who manages to put in a beautiful cross for Yangel Herrera. But there was a previous offside, like 30, 40 seconds earlier to that um, to that goal. And the controversy here is whether that um, offside should have actually been an offside, of course, because uh, there was a couple of Real Sociedad players that do make contact with the ball during the play. So some are saying that it should have shouldn't have been should have not been ruled out sorry because those players made contact so it kind of cancels out the previous offside but others are saying that Real Sociedad needed to have actual possession of the ball not just touch it you know uh, for that to, to change so I mean in the end I'm seeing so many opinions and so many different plays even the the Atletico Madrid goal by um, by sorry Savage. Savage. Uh, the Saul position, some are saying it's offside, some are saying it's not offside, and I'm talking people that know about refereeing, so it's even they mm. themselves don't have a clear opinion on these things, so you really don't know what to say or, or what to think, but I mean, uh, we want to think that the refs made the right call, you know, that was a, a fair offside, and I mean, in the end, it felt like it would be a tough and very tricky game for, for Girona, Real Sociedad are always a very tough team to be, very rocky at the back. Uh, and in the end, um, they kind of cancelled each other out, even though Girona, you know, had the capacity always to go forward. They never uh, look back and they just keep pushing. But Gerard uh, had enough to, to grab a point in a very difficult stadium. Yeah, I think the, the, the key question, as you say, was at what point does the, you know, the phase reset in terms of the attacking phase? And then, as you say, when they lose possession, mm-hmm. is that does that signify a, a change of phase or is that still... The same attacking phase, it, yeah. It's it's. There's so many more, so many grey areas now, much more than it seems like there used to be. And and with VAR involved as well, it seems like we're constantly talking about the interference and whether it should be there or not. Yeah, I just wanted to add that I think maybe refereeing or the rules are th- themselves are just overcomplicated. Maybe they should simplify, not mm. you know have these offsides where the players in front of the goalkeeper because that's comes down in the end to interpretation or this one where the yeah. offside was ages ago maybe just kind of avoid these things have simpler offsides I don't know you know because in the end there's so much controversy and so many rules that are as you said in grey areas and we're not sure if it's this or if it's that and even the refs themselves are doubting then you have a ref on TV who says no I think it's not offside and the other one says yes it is offside I was like come on guys you guys were refs and you don't know yourselves I mean who's supposed to know then so it just feels mm. like maybe they should simplify things a bit and have rules which are just more basic and just let football happen and you know it would be easier for everybody it certainly would it doesn't feel like anyone really is benefiting from the way it is at the moment mm-hmm. but uh that's our weekly VAR rant over for now <laughs> um so yeah an important point for us i think they had a clean sheet for both sides which certainly for Girona is is actually quite rare uh they're obviously scoring loads of goals but uh a nil nil probably not what you would have expected uh especially at Montelivi as for us i they're going to have to look over their shoulder because they've got Valencia, Betis, Las Palmas all kind of coming up behind them. And if they keep drawing so many of these games, they might slip out of the European positions altogether. So while they have the Copa semi-final and the Champions League on the horizon, they do need to make sure they still take care of business in the league. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they can't forget that uh, in the end the league is, is important. I'm sure they're not, they've never, they haven't forgotten, of course. I mean, they're still sixth in a relatively good uh, spot. But you can feel like 
so many games are taking a toll. I mean, I think we've mentioned this, that their squad maybe isn't one of the deepest. And uh, it's true that they have tried to improve it now in the winter transfer window, bringing signings. But uh, we'll see if that's if that's enough. I mean, competing in the Champions League for a team like Real Sociedad is an incredible feat. But at the same time, it's very exhausting. Copa del Rey is also very exhausting. La Liga is non-stop, you know, so I mean, it's tough. And uh, I mean, a draw against Girona in the end isn't a bad result. I think it's, it's especially if they're playing away. So I think in the end, they could be happy with this mm. point. And as you said, the rivals are close, but uh, I'm sure that Real Sociedad won't give up easily. I mean, they're also going to have to recover Takekubo, for example, soon uh, from the Asian Cup, etc. So we'll have to see how they yeah, can Japan knocked out. Yeah, react yep. from that. Indeed, yeah. The two draws against Girona are not necessarily the problem. It's the other eight <laughs> they've drawn in uh, yeah, exactly. in La Liga. Um, well, it's been a week since the Chavi news, the Chavi bombshell this time last Sunday night. Uh, it's been uh, another pretty busy week for Chavi, and talking about referees and talking about the competition is uh, adulterated and, and then Ancelotti responding, saying, oh, I'm not going to lower myself to this level. I respect Spanish football. Lots of press talk. It was... Kind of like uh, a little little bit of the uh, Guardiola Mourinho era, but not quite to that extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the pitch for Barca, at least they've had a, a pretty good week. Two two games, two victories. This one away at Alaves, and this is an Alaves side that was in form. And uh, Barca went there, went two up, uh, conceded to uh, the phenomenon that is Samu Omorodion, and then uh, Vitor Roque rounding off the win with his second goal in as many games. Uh, for Barca. Roman, what did you make of this one? I mean, there was a red card for Vitor Roque after his goal, but uh, overall, a decent day at the office for Barca? Yeah, honestly, I thought it was uh, a decent performance. Um, quite happy with how the team played. I mean, I knew against Alaves it wouldn't be an easy game. Alaves, you know, are are doing pretty well lately, had good some good momentum. I, I knew they would be very dangerous, and I mean, they had definitely opportunities uh, during the game to to score goals, but I thought Barca were quite composed. They had more control of the ball, uh, tried to play more through the midfield, and then in attack they seemed a bit fresher. Always good to see Lewandowski score goals because he needs them. Same goes for Bitterroque, even though it was a very questionable sending off for another yellow card at the end of the game, which, well, um, we've already ranted about VAR, VAR, but this wasn't VAR, of course, but still. It was quite uh, quite strange, and uh, overall, I think Barca Barca did pretty well. Let's see if they can keep this up because it's, I mean, it's what we've been seeing the whole season. Barca maybe have one, two good games, and then comes down to three, four, five very poor games. So the lack of consistency has been the problem. Hopefully, they can they can build this on this game. I've said that so many times, but uh, I hope at some point it actually happens. Bueno, well, they have Granada at home next weekend before a trip to Vigo to face Delta. And then it is the big one. Uh, Naples for Napoli away in the first leg of that last 16 in the Champions League, which is now pretty much all they have uh, to realistically win this season. Some say not realistic for that either. But anyway, uh, there was some talk about Lamine Yamal and his uh, importance to the side, but also the concern that we've seen this before with Pedri, with Ansu. These players are so good at such a young age that they're being they're being overplayed. Um, too many minutes, too many games in quick succession. Uh, is history repeating itself again with this guy? Honestly, I don't think it's the same 
case at the moment as, as Pedri. I mean, he is playing a lot, but then let's not forget that a month or two back, he was usually being rotated in or out of, of the match very often. He wasn't starting as much. Um, some were saying that maybe he wasn't as good because his performances hadn't been so bright lately. And now that he's had two or three really good games starting from the beginning, uh, they're talking again about whether he's over being overplayed. Honestly, I think Xavi's doing a good job at... Um, you know, making the youngsters get their minutes. Uh, I don't think it's abuse at this point. <laughs> I honestly think um, it do, it will do them well to to have you know more experience in La Liga. Of course, if he plays every single game from now until the end, ninety minutes, and then he goes with Spain and plays ninety minutes, like happened to Pedri uh, with the, the Olympics, etc. Then that will be a different case. But I'm sure that at some point Xavi will decide to rotate him again. Also, let's not forget we have Rafinha, Ferran Torres. Uh, injured we don't have that many options you know a lot of players are are in the infirmary for Barcelona so I mean at this stage there's not much more Xavi can do and I think mm. um, Yamal is, is in great form he had a phenomenal game I have to say against Alaves and now that Bitter Roque will probably not be able to play the next game he might have to start again so I mean our options are quite limited we have to say very true, very true. We'll get off uh, Chavi's back for a change. Um, we'll take a break there. When we come back, we'll talk more about the rest of the weekend's games, including quite a fair few draws, but stick with us because they're interesting. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah. 
sentado todo el banquillo al completo para aplaudir al capitán en un año que está siendo duro para Iker está jugando poco y el gol es de una calidad maravillosa venía por la derecha en un golpeo difícil la engloba con el pie le pone a contrapié y nunca mejor dicho del portero Marca Iker, marca el Capi, marca Muriain en la catedral. 44, segunda parte. Atleti 4, Mallorca 0. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown match day 23 recap. It's uh, it's been a, a week of many draws, but uh, on Friday night there was one emphatic result, and that was at San Mamés Athletic Club warming up for the Copa del Rey semi final with a thumping 4 0 victory over Mallorca. A brace for Yuri Bechiche, a very unlikely scorer, especially of two goals. Uh, and then second half goals from Gorka Guruceta and Iker Munyain with his first of the season in the league to round off a fabulous victory for Athletic. But it did come at a cost, didn't it? Because there was much worry about the situation of the Williams brothers, both appearing to uh, suffer knocks in this game. Roman, what more can you tell us on this? Well, we'll have to see um, what happens with the Williams players because, of course, having Copa del Rey right around, right around the corner, sorry, they are two key figures uh, for Valverde and they provide that, you know, that cheese pass we say in Spanish. They have that pace, that capacity to to break down defenses that most players don't and hopefully it won't be uh, too bad in their case. But, I mean, Atletic Club, Even if the William brothers aren't there, I still think they're going to be a very dangerous side because they're a very compact team as a whole. You know, they play really well uh, together. We talked about last weekend where they maybe felt a bit uh, tired legs after that Copa del Rey game against Barcelona because they drew against Cadiz. But then here you can kind of tell they had time to recover and they're back on track. Absolutely thrashed uh, Mallorca in this one. And now let's see what they can do in the Copa del Rey because honestly, we always tend to complain that Valverde's teams start off really well, end off not that great, but so far, you know, he's really stretching the chewing gum here of Athletic Club and they're really uh, at a good level and, and it'll going to be a fantastic, I think, match to watch. Absolutely. We'll touch on that before the end of the show, I think, before uh, those first legs. But um, Athletic, yeah, Unai Simón with the yet another clean sheet. He has more clean sheets than any other La Liga goalkeeper in the league this season. And uh, only Las Palmas and Real Madrid have conceded fewer than Athletic. So goals one way and solid at the back. That's the exact formula you want, isn't it? Um, yeah, Mallorca, again, a few uh, disgruntlements with Javier Aguirre. I, again, I'm probably not close enough to the club to really know exactly where the right kind of balanced line is. But certainly a few online are, are suggesting that he's taken them as far as he can. But again, they've got the semi-final to play there going to be focusing on that aren't they surely yeah I mean it's it's uh, a great chance not just for Mallorca for Aguirre also you know you know I mean he probably knows that his time at Mallorca might run out quite, quite soon and he's like if I can make it to a Copa del Rey final man I mean uh, it's going to be a great success for him you know because I mean he's also he also has an age we don't know how long his managerial career will go on for and and you know getting a shot at a title like that is is massive for Mallorca so as you said they probably had their minds mostly focused on that next uh, fixture and we'll have to see because it felt like Mallorca also had kind of improved their results of late I guess the fact that they did well in the Copa Rey also 
uh, aided to that, but uh, it's going to be a tough season until the end for them, and we'll see if Aguirre can keep, um, stay on board, basically, until the season ends. Yeah, be interesting to see how they get on the next few games and whether the Copper will be a distraction or a motivation factor for them. Um, elsewhere, we had wins for... Well, the biggest win, really, in terms of the relegation picture was Delta, because they went to Pamplona and produced a very impressive performance to win 3-0 away at Osasuna. Not many teams go there and and win so comfortably. Um, I mean, five shots on target to Osasuna's one. This was a, a comprehensive victory, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think in the end, uh, the efficiency was, was there for Celta because, I mean, Sassuna had 18 shots, but as you said, only one on target. So, I mean, if you... If you don't aim properly, it's it's tough to get a win. And uh, careful with Osasuna because lately mm. they haven't been doing that great. And little by little, they seem to be dropping down positions, you know. And at some point, they could be uh, suffering a bit more. Even though we know that there are two, three, four teams that are doing really badly, and it's strange that any others get involved. But you know, keep keep that in mind. And then Celta de Vigo, uh, massive, massive, massive win for Rafa Benitez, who let's not forget was hearing the fans chanting against him. Not long ago, you know, so mm. 3-0 against a team like Osasuna that you said is really tough to beat in their ground. It's definitely a big boost there of confidence for, for Zeldinias. And uh, let's see if this is something that the team is going to, you know, uh, react with or if it's just a one-off. Yeah, it certainly felt like a, a massive win and a one I did not see coming, I have to say. Yeah. Um, as you say, you know, given last week's events at Balaidos where... It really felt like the, the tipping point for Benitez and, and his tenure there. For them to go away to Osasuna and, and produce that kind of result is uh, suggests that the players certainly are, are still on board and that's a, an important sign for sure. Uh, the only other victory of the weekend came at Mestalla and it was uh, for Valencia against Almeria. Uh, Hugo Duro with his 10th La Liga goal of the season. He's been really impressive for them this year. And uh, Yaremchuk as well. Arribas cut distances in the second half for Almeria, but again, it wasn't enough for them to get that elusive first win. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we say this all the time. There's, there's so little hope for them now, especially as the games tick by and the defeats keep on chalking up. Um, so I don't really want to talk about Almeria as such, but for Valencia, it's, uh, again, we heard a lot this week, transfer deadline day, Gabriel Paulista allowed to leave the club to join Atleti. Um, a big loss for them, but they responded in the best possible way with that victory. And they are right on the edge now of the European position. So it could still be a really impressive season for them, couldn't it? It could. And it's sad that even when Valencia are really doing well on the pitch, something strange happens, you know, uh, in other aspects. And it wasn't just um, the Gabriel Paulista thing. It was also the Rafa Mir signing, uh, you know, that mm. was apparently very close to being to happening. But according to... To Victor Horta, you know, the Valencia, I th I'm not sure if it was at the board or if it was just Peter Lim himself, or weren't really bothered to actually making it work because according to Horta's words, Mir could have easily gone to Valencia and he, he would have been a great sign, I think, for them. But I don't know what's happening there in that club, you know, that uh, it just feels like some just don't care too much about the club, unfortunately. But, you know, there's Baraja, there are the kids, there's the, the, the squad doing really well, getting good results. Beating an Almeria, who, as we know, are just 
being dragged down to the bottom. And I'm, I, I read an article, well, I read a headline today in uh, La Voz de, de, de Almería, which is a local newspaper, saying that uh, the trust in, in Garitano was uh, beginning to, to lose uh, strength. I mean, what trust, you know? <laughs> Because the team has been do, doing very badly for a long time, and they're talking about Ruby uh, being the man to take over. I'm not sure if it's to save them or already thinking about next season. I, I imagine it's that second case, but yeah. And also Almeria now have the worst record together with Sporting. They actually managed to to get the same numbers and they're just one also um, non-win away from achieving the record Levante had of 27 games without winning. So it just keeps getting worse and worse for them and it feels bad, but uh, it's what it is, I guess. Mm, I, I want to do a tracker of Sporting from the late 90s and Almeria now just to see who is going to end up with that work because I mean that record genuinely could go this year uh, that they, they really Very do not possible. look like they're going to get a win from anywhere um, but yeah Ruby wasn't he was there before wasn't he and then it was yeah, Vicente yeah, yeah. Moreno and then Gaetano exactly. so yeah real back to back to Ruby for that because he got them promoted didn't he, Ruby and then the, uh, what was it anyway he, he certainly was there fairly recently Almeria so they could be heading back to him to see if he can uh, rub his magic lamp and see what comes out. Um, as for the rest of the games, we had three more fixtures and three more draws. Granada against Las Palmas was a, a pretty entertaining one. A red card for Granada, but they still managed to take the lead in that game um, through Bruno Mendez. But Las Palmas equalised in the second half. Pejino with the header. Um, again, a, a point doesn't do great things for either of those sides. I don't know if you want to say anything about this game, Roman. Well, I just think that Las Palmas here basically missed the shot to grab three points, basically. Because, as you said, sending off early on for Granada uh, should have allowed them, you know, to to win this game comfortably. And then the opposite happened. They conceded and they actually struggled to, to get the equaliser. And in the end, it was a 1-1 result where I felt like, um, you know, Las Palmas should have done better. And Granada, as you said, doesn't work good for them to grab a point but I guess it's better than losing so let's see if they can uh, do something else uh, next weekend mm. and a couple more results uh, Cadiz their second game under Mauricio Pellegrino away at Villarreal who had just come off the back of that fantastic win over Barca last weekend and Cadiz went there and got a, a pretty respectable nil-nil draw so two games under Pellegrino and two stalemates so something to build on for them uh, Villarreal frustrated not to win this game Yeah, there's something that Cadiz always seems to do well is to kind of defend, but not always. You know, just some games, you know, where they just mm. tend to get those uh, zero goals against them. Yeah, frustrate other teams, but then they don't score too much either. It's just like, yeah, nil-nil or one-nil, something like that. And they're back to that uh, thing. But, I mean, point by point is better than losing as they were before. So, I mean, if they can grow from this, that will actually be really good. And, I mean, going to Villarreal Stadium and... And getting that result, keeping in mind that Villarreal were pushing quite hard in that game to, to get a goal, I mean, you can give them some credit for that. Mm. And finally, last but by no means least, uh, a tale of two penalties at the Benito Villamarín. Getafe heading to Betis. Uh, Getafe's third game in six days, wasn't it? Because they beat Granada on Monday night, then they lost to uh, Real Madrid on Thursday, was it? And then uh, today on Sunday, took the lead at the Villamarín. Mason Grimmer's penalty, which was cancelled out by Isco's penalty, Um, not sure if we should mention the the fallout from the Real Madrid Hetafe game because uh, there was lots spoken about uh, Jude Bellingham and he appeared to to 
call Greenwood a rapist. Um, of course, many people have their own views on on that. But um, the the reaction and the fallout, I thought, was quite interesting, Roman. Any any thoughts on that? Well, uh, you, you said at the beginning, uh, it seemed like he said rapist. Did he say rapists? I mean, it's hard to, to, to interpret. I mean, the only ones who know were those, well, those who have access to the microphones on the stadium and if somehow they could hear him. If he said it, uh, I'm not who to judge, honestly. Um, he wasn't convicted in the end, Mason Greenwood, and he was set free, even though we've all seen the images. It's such a difficult thing mm. you know, to, to judge and whether Bellingham deserves to be sanctioned is down to the people in charge. I really don't want to get too much into this, honestly. And what worries me more than that, actually, is, is Isco's injury, who had to leave mm. the stadium despite scoring the goal. And we know how important Isco has been for the, uh, this season for Betis, and not having him could be a super incredible, massive blow for, for them. So we'll see how that turns out. I'll be interested to see if they still award him with the Man of the Match award, even though he's not playing <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> because he seems to get it every week yeah, um, but yeah on a serious note we wish Isco all the best and hope that he comes back just as strong as he has been this season uh, the final game of the match day is at Vallecas on Monday night Rayo taking on Sevilla Sevilla in a real mess as we've said many times Kike Sanchez Flores uh, with a rajada in the press conference lamenting the fact that Rafa Mir is still there um, and there was a loads of stuff with Yanazai too about whether he would leave the club or not he came out and said in his own statement that some of the things that were said were not true and it, it's yeah the club is just an absolute mess at the moment um and if, if they were to lose here leaves them bang in danger because as we say that caddy's point brings them level on points so Sevilla clinging on their coattails by goal difference as it stands uh they really need to start making moves as delta have done to try and get themselves out um but we will end the pod by talking about the games which are coming up this midweek and it is the copa del rey semi-final first legs Really exciting pair of games here. Mallorca hosting Real Sociedad in the first leg. Um, you would imagine they'd need a pretty positive result to take to Anoeta for the second leg, wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. I think um, 70% of Mallorca's chances are getting a good result at home. Uh, at least a draw, you know, because you can always fight for a 1-0 away or penalty shootout or whatever and, and, and surprise everybody. But... Losing 2-3-0 at home or something like that would be a terrible blow. So, I mean, um, hopefully that 4-0 against Athletic meant that they were actually really focusing on this match and uh, that they're going to give their 100% because it's going to be uh, an interesting one to watch. Mm. And then Wednesday at the Metropolitano, Fortress Metropolitano, Atleti taking on Athletic. This is probably the one that everyone's really, really looking forward to. Um Atleti rampant from that, or buoyed by that late equaliser against Madrid. They'll be, again, looking to take a, a positive game, a positive advantage to the second leg because we know what Samalez is going to be like in that second leg with the, the final within touching distance. That will be a, an absolute cauldron uh, to play in. So Atleti will know 1-0 might not be enough to take into the second leg. So they'll be, you'd imagine, trying to go out, all out to, to take a two or three goal lead. But Atletic, as you said, so solid. They'll be looking to just keep it tight and maybe nick a goal on the break or yeah, counter-attack set pieces. Should be a fascinating watch. Yeah, I mean, it's two, two offensive sides, actually. Now we can say this. Uh, Atletico attack, Athletic attack. I mean, both teams can get goals. And it feels like we might see another similar result to what we saw with uh, Real Madrid and Atletico 
in the Supercopa, etc., mm. where you know that both teams were scoring plenty goals, or in the Copa themselves, you know they were doing fantastically well in the offensive aspect, not so much defensively, but it was a show to watch, and I kind of feel like we could see something. Uh, similar here, as you mentioned before, we're planning to see what's going to happen with the William brothers. I've read that Nico Williams will likely be there. We'll have to see what happens with Iñaki. Having them both, obviously, is going to uh, be a plus to, to the spectacle and to the show. Not having them wouldn't be great, but as, 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 as I said, sorry, Athletic are still a very, very strong side. They have uh, very good players and, and anything can happen. So, yeah, Atletico will have to try and get as many goals in favor as they can, try to concede the least possible. But uh, neutral fans, I'm sure we're going to be very entertained. Indeed. I think Simeone alone will keep us entertained. He'll be <laughs> jumping up and down on that touchline, trying to keep some some measure of calm to proceedings. But I'm sure that will be pretty hard to uh, to happen. Anyway, thank you very much, Roman, for your time and insights tonight. Um, we'll you. be back with that podcast in midweek. But uh, in, in order to listen to that, you will have to subscribe to Substack and upgrade. Uh, we think it's good value for the uh, five a month for the rest of the season. We'll be giving you content every single day. Roman, it's, it's pretty good value, right? It's good value. So guys, uh, gals, whoever's there, uh, <laughs> subscribe, join us. Uh, we love to do pods and, and content for you. So if we have your support, it's always much easier. Definitely. Thank you very much once again and we'll speak to you again very very soon enjoy the copper semis we'll uh, we'll bring you reaction from those first legs in a few days time adios Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.